What's up, Bucks fans? Welcome back to another edition of Pirate Parlay here on the Sixth Podcast. Not a great show to talk about. We had a tough loss this past week to Atlanta Falcons. First place in the NFC South Division on the line. Bucks just couldn't put it home when they had the opportunity over and over again. Losing to the Falcons 16-3 on a last-minute field goal as time expired. You know, it was a tough week for them. Still can't get anything moving on the running game. The defense showed up throughout the game with three red zone fumbles to, to keep and limit points on the board from the Atlanta Falcons, but the offense couldn't hold up their end of the bargain. Baker threw a bad pick late um, to kind of help seal their fate, and then the defense just kind of had a communication breakdown on a few plays that really gave the Falcons enough life and energy to go down there and kick the game-winning field goal. But the Bucks don't have time to think about that, and neither do you, because this is football's already here. Just tomorrow, we're talking about the Buccaneers traveling to Buffalo to face the Bills on Thursday night football, everyone's favorite night of football. Um, and we'll get into it. We're going to break it down. I've got a special guest, as I always do, to go behind the enemy lines here, take a look at where the Bills are, what they've done statistically. They haven't been great the last three games. We'll talk about that, too, and talk about is there a realistic chance that this Bucks team could potentially find a way to upset the Bills? I don't know, but we'll talk about it. We'll get into it when you come back here at Pirate Parlay. Turn up your volume because you're about to listen to the sick podcast. Pirate Parlay. Battle intercepted, picked off of the end zone. Bucks are going to beat the Chiefs. We're the champions of the world. The sickest Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast. It's going to be sick. We're back here at Pirate Parlay by the Sick Podcast Network, bringing you great content. And as always, we've had tons of players on. We've had tons of great guests on, breaking down the teams that they're going to face to give you that inside information from guys who are there every day on the beat, covering this their teams and bringing us the inside information that we know we can only get as a local reporter. The national news, they don't know what they're talking about. They read the headlines written by these guys and, of course, written by yours truly over at Sports Illustrated's Bucks Game. They find all of our content there. Um, but that's why I like to bring these segments to you because not many people are doing it in the Bucks landscape there. And I love to bring that, that fan, uh, that beat writer, that sports follower, uh, podcaster, whoever they are, who are there boots on the ground, following these teams to give you all that inside information. We're doing it again today. We have Buffalo bills in the house. We've got Mookie Hawkins, director at Power uh Power 965 up there in Buffalo. He's a Bills beat reporter and host of Believe in Bills. Believe Believe Podcast Network's been hooking us up with all the guests. So shout out to them. He's going to come break down everything we need to know about the Buffalo Bills this week. Mookie, how the heck are you? I'm great, man. How are you? I'm doing well, you know. I mean, there, I think there's still plenty of optimism around the Bucks. Personally, I'm doing great, but I think as far as someone that covers the team, there's still plenty of optimism that, you know, even after losing a game you probably should have won and dropping two in a row, the NFC South is just so bad that I think you, the Bucks could still turn it around. Their defense is playing well enough; they can just get their offense going a little bit. I think they have an opportunity. But on the flip side, there with the Bills, kind of shaky last. <laughs> few weeks what's going on up in buffalo land and what's going on with the bills well you know jc you you know you feel like i guess how we feel you know games that you, you should have won um yeah the past three weeks it hasn't been good for uh this buffalo bills uh, uh team um 
you know, been dealing with with injuries once again, uh, bitten by the injury bug. But at this point, I still feel that they have enough quality depth. They still should be in a different situation than what they're in right now. You know, so um, they better figure it out because the past three games have been one and two. And, you know, these guys that such a have a high powered offense are struggling to find its rhythm uh, midseason. So that's that's not a good situation. Uh, that could clearly be an advantage to Tampa Bay, uh, you know, depending on, you know, who put it together, you know, in a short work week, uh, who who was able to fix, uh, you know, the Band-Aids, take the Band-Aids off and, you know, has that real good cosmetic surgery to get things going again for their team. Yeah, you look at the Bills, obviously, that first game, Martin controversy. Was there a trip? Was there a push? Uh, what what went on with that final return? But after that, um, again, against, you know, two of those games against weaker competition in the Raiders in Washington, they beat them pretty handily. Uh, Miami, after blowing out Denver 70 to, like, 10, um, <laughs> they made good work of the uh, of the Dolphins, 48 to 20, uh, at a, with a nice home win against them. Travel across the ponds and drop a close one to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, win a close <laughs> one, which they probably shouldn't have even been a competition, really, with, with the New York Giants, who have really struggled to get anything going. And then, of course, this last weekend's uh, close loss to, to the New England Patriots. Walk-off touchdown from Matt Jones and the Patriots. Um, have, you know, I think uh, some Bucks fans optimistic that they might be able to pull this off on a short week. But specifically, those three games i mean the, the the win against the giants was just not indicative of what this team has looked like you look at what they're being able to do right now they're third in the league in scoring um they are scoring 28.3 points per game uh that game they only were able to put up 14 points they got back on track a little bit with the patriots but still that was a struggle fest throughout the whole game what is it about this offense that has been performing at such a high clip and we'll get into some of those other stats on the offensive side that's kind of struggled to find their groove until, you know, sometimes late in the game or even not at all in case of that Giants game. Well, um, they just got rid of just, – just got away from being a balanced team, and it's kind of foreign to them when, you know, basically this Bills team is, is, is pass-oriented. But you have to adjust to the times at, at sometimes, especially when teams – have kind of like, <clears throat> excuse me, figured you out, you know, from a standpoint on, well, okay, we just not going to allow y'all to beat us this way. So we're going to play this cover two shell and see if y'all just goofy enough to still keep trying to throw the ball all over the yard. Right. You know, so <laughs> we, you know, sometimes we're a little high headed, you know, but you, you have to have balance. Your, your offense have to evolve. And, you know, when you look at the Bills when they won their first three games against the Raiders and in Miami and 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 and, and Washington, they had great balance. Uh, they looked virtually unbeatable, you know, when Josh Allen was under center and they were running the football and they were having play action and guys were wide open. You know, they went away from running the football, having that balance, and you know that's why you see the struggles and that's why Bills can't get in the rhythm. Um, you know and Basically, they are in dogfights right now. Um, you, Of course, Tampa Bay feel that they could, you know, come in here and, and get one on the Bills when you lose to a 1-5 team and you struggle against a negative 0-5 Giants team. So, yeah, of course, Tampa Bay will have, you know, a percentage of confidence coming into Buffalo on a short work week. 
Yeah, you talk about that balance. The, it's something the, the Bills have lacked over the last few years, known as that passing game and a team, and we'll get into that with, with Stephon Diggs and what he's done. But really the emergence of James Cook has kind of taken this team to a different spot than it's been. Uh, long gone is Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, who just couldn't get it done. Uh, James Cook has uh, 419 yards uh, on the year for a healthy 4.8-yard per carry average. Um, just talk about his emergence. I know they really liked him last year, How what he, what he brings to this offense and how it's kind of when they're playing that balance style changes uh, what they do and what they can do, how they can attack you. Well, yeah. I asked Coach McDermott that yesterday, like, um, with his production, you know, 13 carries, coach, is that enough? Is that enough to, to, to win a ball game for you out of James Cook? I mean, his production, you know, he should warrant more touches, whether if you're throwing a ball or he's running the ball. Again, you just had 4.8. That's five yards a clip just running right. the football. So he's, he's only touching the ball on an average 10 – to let's say 13 magic number 13 he touched the ball 13 times a game we break that down into four quarters that's what uh three times a quarter he's touching the ball whether it's run or pass that's not enough when they break you down analytically all right he's not getting the ball here you know it's like what you see is what you get kind of when you look at this bill's offense and they have way too much weapons way too much talent for them to be struggling in H, any shape, form, or fashion, especially when you got a player like James Cook. You know, so, I mean, I like some of the things they did do uh, with him, um, but they didn't do enough of it last week. You know, hopefully they can continue on with that because, when you, again, I talk about that balance, right? James Cook was one of the reasons why, you know, the Bills were 3-0. He was, uh, he was what, top five rusher in the NFL those for, by, by week four. Right. You know, it, that should let you know when you come out of the Giants game uh, in the second half, Josh Allen is 11 for 12 because you ran the ball in the second half. James Cook, you know, he had 71 rushing yards, you know, that game. Majority of that in the second half, you have two scores. You have two drives. Well, one was 10-minute drive that, you know, um, Giants only had the ball to open up the second half. And then by the time they got the ball again, it was like, 11 minutes to go in the fourth quarter. They only right. touched the ball one more time after that, truthfully, until the Bills took another seven minutes off the clock and scored again. You don't do that by passing the ball. You do right. that by running the ball, having balance, you know, and the run sets that up. When the Bills want to get in shotgun, they struggle, you know, and that's the thing. Not not being committed to having that balance is basically the Bills' Achilles heel right now. Yeah, you look at the the Bucks. It's kind of overcommitment to that balance for them, uh, with a rushing game and a rushing running, rushing attack that just clearly is not working for them at all. Uh, they're going through a a bunch of changes. Obviously, scheme changes uh, in in different situations like that. New piece in the offensive line, a uh, bigger role for Rashad White. I mean, but when you're 29th in the league, averaging 77. Point eight yards a game. You, you've some <laughs> that balance doesn't work when the passing is, is proving to be a much better factor. But that doesn't seem like it's been the case with the Bills, even though they are one of the best passing teams in the league. I mean, if you look at their they're in eighth eighth place overall, two hundred and sixty three passing yards per game. I mentioned how much they're scoring in that passing offense is a big part of the reason when you can get Josh Allen, one of the the league's best quarterbacks. 
um, you know, into a rhythm where he's hitting one of the league's best wide receivers in Stephon Diggs, uh, a great complimentary piece in Gabe Davis as well. Um, and and uh, really, um, uh, I would say, intriguing tight end in, in Dalton Kincaid, who uh, they took in the first round. Um, you know, that passing game has been so formidable. But Josh has made some mistakes, too. There's been some issues with interceptions, um, which is his ratio is about, you know, 50 to 50, 50. You know, he's got 15 touchdowns, seven interceptions. As far as a passing game, just talk about the weapons, how explosive they are. We all know how Stephon digs, but how is how has his role changed a little bit at all this year, um, especially going towards more of a balanced attack? Um, Gabe Davis, the consistency and obviously uh, the emergence of, of Kincaid, especially now with Dawson Knox set to go on IR to miss a miss a couple weeks with a wrist injury. Well, all that stuff you just said doesn't work if you know the coronation ain't right. You know, and and, and the problem where you 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 see where Josh is regressing is inexperience in the, the you know it's the inexperience in the play calling. You know, I mean, two years of being a play caller is kind of tough for your star quarterback to ascend into the star that he needs to be when the offensive corner has only been offensive coordinator for two years. Josh Allen has more experience as a quarterback than his offensive coordinator calling plays. So, you know, that's kind of like stunting his growth a little bit on accident. You know what I'm saying? All right. it, you know, so this where you see those struggles. That's where you see Josh, you know, if you want to say he regressed, yes, he regressed because he hasn't never thrown an interception inside the red zone when David was the offensive coordinator. Last year, he threw, what, six of them. You know, so, you know, that let me know that was the difference uh, in reference to that. But, um, yeah, you know, and, and, and that's where you see the struggles at times, too, as far as the creativity in certain games. Um, Gabe Davis had a phenomenal training camp. At times, you know, he appears to be like he's a ghost out there on the field. And it's not to his fault. Is you know, you got to get this guy involved. You can't just use him a certain kind of way, especially if you're using him the same way the way you used him last year. Defense is a catch-all in that, you know. So um, that that is one thing. Um, finally got Kincaid going, uh, you know, this week. Hopefully that can can, can continue. Um, so it's just a lot of, a lot of things that's, 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 that's holding this thing back, but it all, you know, it points, you know, there, um, this, this bills has more than enough firepower offensively for them to be struggling, you know, adapt out that definitely lies on, on, on the play caller there. So, you know, I don't think teams are even playing Josh Allen at this point. I think they just more or less playing the play caller and, you know, because that's always going to have ex- more more experience. That's like Belichick with O versus Ken Dorsey. You know, right. who knows going to win that, right? So that's right. that's where I see you know the the pros and cons and where certain games lie at. This is who this guy is up against defensively. Ken Dorsey is up against Bill Belichick. Who are right. you know, nine times out of ten we all know who wins that battle. You know, so <laughs> right. Uh, it's it's interesting. Because you look back at that game plan he had week four against the Dolphins, and it was very creative uh, the way they used uh, 
the way they use the different pieces that they have there to to put down a Dolphins team that had just scored 70 points and limited them to just, you know, the defense is a big part of that, but to be able to put those points on them to get ahead to play is that certain style that the defense has played um, was, was a huge part of that. And, you know, with Stefan Diggs, it seems like every season we're going into this and we're hearing about controversy between him and Josh Allen. We're seeing, you know, chirping happen on the sideline. What, what's the relationship with those two and with, with Stefan Diggs, um, just talk about the consistency that he has year in and year out, even if there are things going on behind the scenes. I mean, he's got, you know, 678 yards, averaging a first down per catch, six touchdowns in the season. It, it just seems like year in and year out, you know, even when it was Kirko Cousins, he just he, he's just a consistent overall receiver that can kind of beat any coverage you have on him, beat any cornerback you have on him. Um, and he doesn't seem like he takes many games off, um, when you're, when you're going up against him. Oh, absolutely. I don't want to sound like a home or anything to me. Stefan Diggs is the best receiver in the NFL. He's been the best receiver in the NFL. His numbers have been consistent, especially since he's been in the Bills uniform. So, um, I mean, and he's played in every game. So, you know, that's where I, I, I draw the line at with that because one-on-one, we know nobody can check him. Um, double teams, that's still 50-50. Uh, if you bracketed him, you probably have a better chance doing that. But that's two to three guys. You know, he takes away from a defense, so other people should be open. So, again, that relies on <laughs> the play caller on, you know, making that happen. Um, but, again, yeah, you know, Diggs is a dog, man. Um, and you got to be able to get the ball in your playmaker's hands. Just imagine if that didn't happen. You have games like the playoff game with Cincinnati every week if that didn't happen because nobody else is getting right. You know, so you got to go down, you know, go, got to go with your dogs. But, you know, at the end of the day, they just need more balance. I don't care if they people want to say, oh, yeah, they did those points against Washington and the Raiders. Yeah, they're supposed to do that. They did that against Miami. Yeah, they're supposed to do that too. But, you know, we had a Trey White out there. We had a Matt Milano out there. We had a Daquan Jones out there. You know, all them, those, that, that's a big three to be losing right now. But this Bills team still have enough quality depth to win games. And then, you know, it's really the past three games, the offense really has struggled and put the defense in binds because, you know, them being out on the field too long. You know, that's where I see that at. And, you know, defense, you know, they they gave up the, the, the game-winning drive. You know, that we, we, you know you put that one on them. But the first two, definitely the offense, you know, struggled to, you know, even get in rhythm. They even struggled against the Patriots to get in rhythm. So the consistent thing on we know is that the offense is definitely has more issues than the defensive side, you know. So – when you look at it, man, I mean, numbers don't lie, right? We talk about the numbers. The numbers don't lie. So when the Bills was on that three-game winning streak, they ran the ball combined. Now, this is not Josh Allen's carries or anything. This is their three-headed monster with Harris, Murray, and Cook. Yep. In those three games, 75 carries, 396 yards, four touchdowns. Josh Allen numbers during that three-game winning streak. He threw for 78% of his passes, 800 yards, eight touchdowns, 
one interception. Right. Now, in the past three games, Josh Allen completion percentage, 66%. It still ain't bad. Um, 701 yards, six touchdowns, three interceptions. The Bills' run game in a three-game span with just their core running backs, 45 carries, 195 yards, no touchdowns. Right. One and two record. So we just talking numbers. You should understand running the ball, getting Josh on the center is the key to success. During that three-game span, they looked unbeatable. And you said it. They did that against the Miami Dolphins team. But one thing I can say that was different between Miami and the Raiders and, and, and Washington is Miami always plays a style of defense that the Bills love. That's why the Bills won 10 out of the last 11 games. Right. They play a lot of man-on-man. So, you know, the Bills can afford to go in that shotgun, which they like to do, and just, you know, give candy out to everybody. But you can't do that against everybody. So they just thought that that was the key to success and forgot the other two games. And they just been stuck in a rut just being in shotgun, resorting back to the week one playbook, if you ask me. You, you talk about the offense, and, and obviously for Josh Allen, for the running game, for anybody to even get going, it all starts up front, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Teams are teams winning the trenches, and so far this season, Diane Dawkins has been really good for the um, for the Bills. Uh, you know, just his his pass blocking grade. He's only allowed eleven pressures all season, zero sacks, um, and he's been kind of holding it down over there. How has the rest of the line looked? Uh, you've got a rookie starting in Osiris Torrance. Um, and, and kind of if the Bucks are going to be able to exploit anybody on that offensive line uh, with their with their front seven, who are you worried about? Um, I don't know. Maybe Spencer Brown or right tackle is, is definitely not Osiris Torrance. I mean, he's been, you know, man, he, he's been defying odds every week. Uh, yeah, he struggled with a few um, uh, false start penalties, but. I don't think he's gave up a sack yet, neither. And, you know, he, he didn't do that in college. And so far, he's been rather consistent. Um, so I, I like the line. We have a new, improved line from last year. Uh, they really identify uh, what they are. If we're going to pass the ball, then we need guys that can pass block. Uh, you know, instead of bringing in guys in like Roger Saffold, so who was a eight straight pro, pro bowler, but he's a mauler. He's a run blocker. And, you know, we asking the guy who's an all-pro mauler to pass block. This is something that, you you know, that's not his forte. So for the Bills to understand what they really need, you see the results. Josh really don't get sacked as much. And if he start running a little bit more, he probably wouldn't get sacked at all. But, you know, for the most part, this line is pretty solid. You know, Deion, again, is, isn't back in rare form. Uh, you know, the, the, the free agent pickup of Conor McGovern, Alongside Dion, Mitch Morris coming off a Pro Bowl year, uh, still second round pick in Osiris, and you know, uh, small school stud in Spencer. So, you know, the line is solid, way better than last year. And, um, you know, they've been balling. We just got to run the football a little bit more, help them out, you know, help them out, run the ball. Running the ball, too, keeps drives going, keeps the defense fresh. And so far, this defense has, I think, maybe exceeded expectations with some of the injuries that they have. That they have. Their fifth in points allowed, only 16.9. What really kind of jumps out to me is, is the sacks. I mean, they're second in sacks in the league 24, uh, with 24 in the season. And takeaways, I mean, they're third in the league in interceptions with eight of those as well. We know, uh, you know, for the first couple of games of the season as well, uh, they were missing one of their biggest acquisitions in Vaughn Miller. But you look at everybody else who kind of stepped up for that team, and the the, the Bills have 
poured resources into that position, uh, either through free agency monetarily wise or through the drafts of Greg Russo, AJ Epinensa. They traded away Boogie Basham, but they drafted him fairly high. They brought in Von Miller on a big money deal. Leonard Floyd was brought in as well, a uh, veteran pass rusher. They still have Shaq Lawson hanging around as well. Um, but you see, and of course, you know, off ball, off ball defensive tackle as Oliver over there as well. But you, uh, <laughs> you look at, um, you know, what they've been able to do against the, you know, getting after the quarterback. And that's kind of been, um, you know, the Achilles heel of this defense for the last couple of years. What about this defense has allowed them to turn it around and really kind of start to get after the quarterback this year? Is it just the additions or what, what else is it? Oh, you know, Coach McDermott is the play caller now. So uh, I do see a more aggressive style of defense uh, coming from where he's come from. Uh, you know, he's a Jim Johnson uh, disciple, uh, one of the best defensive coordinators, you know, in the NFL. So, you know, he's going to hit you. You know, we know that the Bills is going to be aggressive uh, with the pieces that he's had and developed over his, what five years. You know, you can do just about anything with that. Uh, so being aggressive, especially when you have two all-pro safeties back there and probably one of the best corners in the game before he got hurt, um, yeah, it gives you um, confidence to play around a little bit in the box, you know, and, and be a little bit more aggressive when you got, you know, that type of veteran right. veteranship, you know, in your back end. You mentioned, you know, some injuries. Uh, there are obviously two really big ones. Um at the cornerback position, at the linebacker position, with um, you know Matt Milano going out, uh, who is has just played stellar for um, the the Bills over the last few years, um, and, and it was a big, really big loss. He's a tackling machine. He's really underrated as well, and I, I don't think enough he gets enough love and credit around the league. Then obviously Tre'Davious White too, uh, with that torn Achilles, a huge loss. He's one of the best cornerbacks in the league top 10 for sure when healthy and fully on um, who has stepped up, who's going to step up into those roles for them um, and, and take that next, next level, hopefully. Um, and, and obviously huge shoes to fill, but who are those guys who are, who are stepping into those spots and what have you seen from them so far? Well, you got, um, you know, first-round draft pick Kyrie Elam, and you got six-round draft pick Christian Minford, uh, two young studs, uh, both about 6'1", 6'2". Minford um, a little bit more scheme fit. Uh, you know, he played the same style of defense that the Bills played in college back in Villanova. Uh, Kyrie is a more physical man-press corner with speed. So, um, you know, so it kind of gives you the best of both worlds. And, uh, you know, they do got two cornerstones uh, to deal with. You do obviously have uh, uh, Dane Jackson, who they drafted in the um, right. seventh round four years ago, and Cam Lewis as well. So uh, they got some quality depth. They just picked up uh, Josh Norman, uh, old man self. Uh, but I think that's more or less as, a, a, you know, a player's coach more, you know, just helping those guys understand right. what Coach McDermott is looking for within that scheme, especially – when your veteran leader is out. So you got to another, bring another guy in that's going to better help them to understand the scheme a little bit better and quicker. With, with Tredavious White out and, and some guys having to step up into that role, um, obviously, you know, someone's thrust into a starting role. 
you kind of lose somebody in that out of that slot role. Who who's playing playing primarily for the slot for the Bills when they do need to go in that when they do need a nickel cornerback on the field? Well, it's Taron Johnson. So uh, Taron Johnson is the nickel corner. Um, he's been getting picked on as of late, you know. So you know, yeah. But he's definitely one of the most underrated nickel corners uh, in the league. Um, so yeah, he's that. He's the third linebacker out there. Um, so. Yeah, it's Taron Johnson, and then uh, you could bring Cam Lewis in, and then uh, you know they got Taylor Rapp. You know, so sometimes you may see Taylor Rapp, you know, playing that nickel spot too. You look at this team; it, it's kind of funny um, when you when you look at. I mentioned they have eight interceptions. Five of them have come from linebackers or edge defenders. Um, just <laughs> that's not something you see all the time. What is it about this system, this scheme that allows? Uh, linebackers to just make plays on the ball. Well, at times, man, you you get that pass rush, you get that good, you get that good uh, combination of pass rush and coverage, and you know when that happens, you know, you know that's the beauty of it, right? Great things happen. So, you know, sometimes you know, coach is able to get that pressure that he needs with his forefront, uh, but sometimes you you know he may see it, he may, you know, send a fifth or a sixth guy at times. And, you know, the coverage is right on, you know. So, you got to get Coach McDermott's credit. You know, the pressure bus pipes, and, you know, he's proven that, especially with those linebackers, you know, getting, you know, hands on the football, you know, more than those DBs. Yeah, I mean, one of those linebackers, Terrell Bernard, uh, third-round pick out of last year, he has really played excellent for the Bills. Um, what was it about the jump that he made from last year to this year, look at him. He leads the team. Well, tied for the team lead in two with two interceptions, but leads the team in, with 68 tackles. The next closest player is Teron Johnson with 35. He's just been a tackling machine. Obviously, making turnovers as well. Um, you look at the you know look at the stats he's been able to do: two passes, deflections, um, you know, two sacks on the season as well. Just kind of all over the field. What a what kind of growth have you seen from him, and what? Pres- uh, problems does he present as a defender? Well, um, you know, a lot of questions was coming in. Who, who, who will he be basically replacing? Would it be um, Tremaine Edmonds or would it be Matt Milano because of the body frame, right? Oh. So, you know, he was groomed really to play both if need be. Um, one thing about him at Baylor, if you go to his last game in that Sugar Bowl, he had like, what, 20 tackles, sack, forced fumbles. You know, he had that kind of same game he had against Washington, right? So, you know, he he, he flashed like that. Uh, and then he's cerebral, so which enabled him to win the middle linebacker spot because, you know, being a middle linebacker, you're the play caller too. So getting, right. you know, the whole team and the calls on the front end to relate to the back end is so key because if you're wrong, you're wrong, right? If, if the front end is wrong, then the back end is wrong. So, right. you know, and, you know, when you lose a guy like Tremaine Edmonds, who's been that play caller for five years, you know, you as a defensive coordinator, head coach, you just like, all right, you on autopilot, you know. But, you know, you got to find that guy all over again. You know, you go to a guy that you can trust, a guy that you drafted, and this is all he knows. So it was good to see Terrell Bernard able to uh, replace Tremaine Edmonds that way. Yeah, let's get into this game uh, a little bit. Some of these matchups you look at, um, the Bucks offense uh, has struggled as of late. And we just went over the Bucks, uh, the Bills defense and what they've been able to do. Um, the points allowed, the turnovers, sacks. Um, if the Bucks are ever going to be able to move the ball and try to put points on the board, something they have 
struggled to do all season, averaging just 17 points a game. What are the weaknesses on that Bills defense that they should be attacking? What should they? What should the game plan for the Bucks call for to be able to move the ball down the field and get in the end zone? Hold on, man. I'm, I can't be giving that type of information <laughs> to the ops right now. You can't have me up here. You know, uh, be like I'm with the ops now. Come on, now. All right, yeah, no one's yeah, watching yeah. this, so that's fine. Uh, y'all got Mike Evans. Just throw the ball to Mike Evans. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Come okay. on. Now. All right. I mean, that works only sometimes, you know. Um, there is there is, is Baker it Mayfield, Baker Mayfield might have a chip on his shoulder because you know he was the number one overall and Josh just jive took the shine or something. You never know, you know what I mean? So, so what I'm hearing from you is the cornerbacks are where they should be attacking. Don't try to run the ball up the middle, obviously, with Oliver. Those linebackers have been really key. You're not gonna try to beat them over the middle of the field. If they're gonna make if they're gonna move the ball effective efficiently. They're going to have to use Mike and Chris pretty much. Well, at some point, because when the Bills shut down the run, they're going to have to throw, right? So, uh, if the Bucks even yeah. try to run this game, <laughs> it doesn't work out too well. Yeah, um, so we'll. We'll see which one gives. One got to give with either or, you know, with, with the struggles that they've been dealing with. <laughs> so, just, we'll see which one happens first. On the flip side, let's move over to the defense. Um, Bucks could be without Vita Vea, which is a huge loss. Uh, specifically stopping the run. He's been just uh, a, a stud anchor in the middle, as he always is. Um, but uh, where is the weakness on offense for the Bills? If the Bucks are going to be able to slow them down, who are they taking away? What are they trying to do? Um, is it just rattling Josh to get pressure? Um, you know, on him to force, you know, errant throws. Is it shutting down the run game to make them more one dimensional? What do the Bucks need to do if you're drawing up the game plan to attack the Buffalo Bills on offense? What do they need to do to to be able to accomplish that? Well, you got to win, win up front. We all know the game is win up front. So, um, you know, if they can win up front, then they definitely going to have a chance, uh, to disrupt something, especially, you know, you know, with the Bills, um, especially if they start off with shotgun. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, there's one up front. If, if, if you yeah, having VVA is a, is a big loss because he's the, you know, they wouldn't thank Tampa Bay for making that trade, by the way. You know what I mean? Uh, we wouldn't have got both teams, yeah. Worked out for both teams. Y'all got, y'all got VD, we got Josh. You know what I mean? So, right. you know, worked out. VD, hopefully, and Tom Brady winning the Super Bowl. So, which one, you know? They both end up working out pretty well. Right. They worked out hand to hand. So um yeah. Um it's in, it's the one in the trenches. If the if the Bills don't establish any type of run game, Tampa Bay will have a chance. Gotcha. Uh, uh Vita Bay is playing. We'll see. He's he's listening, uh, you know, hasn't participated the last two days. Um, but we all know short week that can be a situation where you know it's walkthroughs, anyways. None of these teams are really practicing, practicing. Uh, they're just doing walkthroughs two times a day. <laughs> so mm-hmm. these Thursday night games, man, I, I I hate Thursday night games. Like Monday night games are bad too, but like Thursday night games are bad because then you just, you know, it's like you're up to, especially you, you'll be at the stadium tomorrow, so you won't get home until like 2 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, you know, I ain't get home to about, yeah. And then like you're still like wired to go, so you're going to fall asleep to like 3 o'clock, you know, <laughs> 3 yeah, you know, in the morning, then you're yeah. up for work. Stop at mothers, you know, the restaurant. Right, exactly. You know, like home game. I still won't be in bed till about like one o'clock after post game and stuff like that. Yeah. You know? Uh it's the primetime games are the worst. 
but they're also they're, they're great because you get up you know especially on a thursday you get the you get the weekend off you know get to watch some football get some new stuff with the fam uh mm-hmm. or whatever it's it's a little nice little break all right mookie i'm gonna put you in the spot here we got score prediction time here what do you think is going to be the outcome of this game uh what do you think is going to be the talking points afterwards and uh what's gonna be the score um I think the Bills would win this game if James Cook could get over 100 yards rushing. If the if James Cook get over 100 yards rushing, I expect a big day out of the Bills. If James Cook is not a factor in the run game, I'm still going to give the Bills a slight edge, 26 to 20. That's without an established run game. That's Josh Allen. Last man to touch the ball versus Baker. You know, I know he still got a personal in his mind that Baker went first over him. Even though yeah, Josh, you know, has more success in the league. But yeah, you know, Josh that that stuff like that still drives that guy. And I would love to see him run some because you know, the word in Buffalo now is saying that they they neutered. Josh Allen yeah. was neutered. More <laughs> water for him. You gotta protect yeah, him. You know, you know, take an element of the way, you know, that is a little bit so yeah those, those are some of the things if james cook rushes for over 100 yards big day for the bills uh if he don't get 100 yards bills slightly win 26 to 20. yeah i think uh that's that's a little closer than i even have i i've got um i, I won't tell right now because my score predictions mm. but it's it's more than uh uh <laughs> it's about a nine point difference there so um, I just think the Bills are still the better team. Um, even though they're reeling, uh, they're gonna be the energy's gonna be electric up there. Tables will be will be smashed. Who knows what will be thrown on the field? Um, and uh I think the, the Bills are just the better team. I think they're gonna win this. I, I think the Bucks offense will get on track at some point. Um, and I know everyone looks at this Bills team and thinks oh, the offense, the offense, the offense. But I think the defense has been a huge part of the story this season. Their turnaround and finally getting some payoff on those edge rushers, um, you know, that they've acquired through the draft and through the free agency and and other avenues um, has been huge for them. Um, and uh, having some young guys step up, I do think that the Bucks are going to attack them. My my keys to the game last week are the keys to the game this week. Get Chris and Mike going early. You've got two young cornerbacks that I think you can pick on. Um, you know, you're going to have one of the best safeties still in the game. Although he's a little bit long in the tooth over them, giving them some help with Poyer and Hyde. Um, but if you can get some one-on-one matchups with those cornerbacks, you got to take advantage of them. And that's how I think the best way is going to move the ball, but should be a fun game. I think, I don't think that the bills really start to pull away until later in the game. Um, talking about the third, fourth quarter, because that's been the Bucks MO. They've been right in it with the Eagles at halftime, right in it with, uh, I even hate saying this, the, the Falcons, right in it with the Lions until halftime. And then they've just let these teams pull away in the second half. The defense gets gassed. The offense can't sustain drives, can't move the ball, can't get in the end zone. Red zone's been terrible. Third down percentage, which was the huge talking point about Baker, has certainly dropped in the last couple of games. And, um, and then they just kind of implode on themselves and, you know, points start coming on the board. So uh, I think that's kind of probably going to be the way it goes. I do think there is a path to victory. It's just a very small one. Uh, I think the following week is kind of when they can get back on track after a mini buy and you take on the Texans. So, I mean, 
and they've been pretty hot too. But um, that's going to do it. Mookie, I want to thank you so much for coming on here, previewing the Bills. Um, it's been great chopping it up with you. Great learning about this team. I hope everyone else learned a lot about this team um, and getting some insight from behind enemy lines with Mookie Hawkins. Go ahead and promote yourself. Hey, you can check me out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, WUFO Sports, W-U-F-O Sports. Mookie Hawkins, holler at your boy. Awesome. Thanks, Mookie. Have a good one, man. There you go. Mookie Hawkins. Uh, we had a great guest on, as we do every week, Bleed Podcast, hooking us up with some awesome players, awesome podcasts. Uh, awesome, you know, like Mookie Hawkins, sports director at the radio station. He's there. You heard him talking to McDermott the other day. Great uh, insight on this Bills team that we're, that the Bucks are going to be facing tomorrow. Uh, this podcast is being t- taped on Tuesday, but you'll watch it tomorrow. And the game will be tomorrow to you. So Thursday night football, Buccaneers travel to the Buffalo Bills. It's going to be a tough game for them to get back on track with after two losses and, and dropping the divisional lead to the Atlanta Falcons. Only half a game behind. So there, it's not time to panic. It's not time for you know the, the cloud is falling the sky is falling it's the end of the world even if they do lose this game i get it'll be three straight losses um but you know what in my early season preview i had them having three straight losses anyways it was losses to the eagles losses to the saints and a loss to the lions they've just done it in reverse order you know <laughs> they've got uh they, they they beat the saints and lost to the falcons so um, this was always a loss chucked up in my book. I think they get back on track. The good news is teams that I, I, I figured they might struggle with later down the road, teams like the, the uh, Packers, haven't looked great. San Francisco is still going to be a tough test. Houston looks better than they than originally thought. Indianapolis doesn't have Anthony Richardson for this year. The Titans are absolutely a Titan trash fire right now. Jaguars should be a good test on Christmas. Uh, Christmas Eve, that is. That will be a fun game. The Saints, who knows if they'll get right. Uh, the Falcons, again, later on in the season. Panthers twice, I mean, enough said. There's still a path for this this team. Even if they lose this game um, and drop down to 3-4, and four, finish with a 10-7 and seven record. I really see it. And the NFC South Division title. I don't think it's time to worry about different about the game. It uh, looks like uh, Matt Filer's not going to be able to go. Uh, Aaron Sinney will be the first guy off the bench. Uh, from what I'm hearing, from what I'm told, uh, so look for him to make that start at left guard. Maybe that gives the running game a little bit of boost with a different body in there. We'll see. Um, but, you know, the the Buccaneers are really going to have to get Curse and Mike going early, take advantage of those matchups against those corners, get them in position where even if they're not singled up, where they're doing quick comebacks, things that they can take advantage and, and kind of manufacture man coverage on those guys to take away the safety help of Poyer and Hyde over the top. So there's ways for them to get this going. Defense has got to play lights out like they have been. Turnovers are going to be key. Antoine Winfield Jr. has been playing out of his mind. He needs to keep that up. Um, you know, Dalton Cade started coming on, but we know the Lattes are tied into racers, so they don't have to worry about that as much. Um, Ryan Neal's got to pick his game up. Not enough to be said about that. Hainsey's looked pretty good the last two games, but still room for improvement. The Bucks can establish the run a little bit. Um, you look at this Bills team, that's one area where they haven't been great at. Um, you know, they are giving up 128 yards per game, which is good for 23rd in the league. You know, they're they're doing 
top 10 in almost every top five in most statistical categories that are really worth monitoring, you know, besides getting into the, the deep stats of the EPA and the analytical stuff and stuff like that. But just, you know, your normal, you know, run of the mill stats where they stack up rushing, <laughs> rushing yards per game has not been somewhere they've been, been doing well at. So if the bucks can get that ground game going at all, maybe a fresh face like Aaron Sidney can help that. Then, you know, that will help open up everything underneath. Don't hold your breath. I'm not either uh, because we probably passed out for holding it for 60 minutes during the game. But that's going to be it for me. Um, all my work is out out there. I've got tons of content coming out over at Sports Illustrated Bucks Game Day. Make sure you guys are following us there, reading, uh, brushing up on the latest Bucks news and analysis. Uh, follow me at the Twitter handle, at NFL. You guys will know. This will be on my Twitter. Um, but if you're just watching on YouTube, check me out there. I know I've had some new people find me on YouTube uh, since that Dave Canales interview, so appreciate you guys tuning in. That was a big draw. We're going to get a lot of guys coming in here, a little more players. I'm, I'm working on trying to get another player on this Friday, getting a coach on next Tuesday. Um, and if not, we'll have some stellar guests. I've got some great guests, some great industry guys around the league who are doing some amazing things, big names that you've heard of that we're going to get on here. We'll get some local names on here too, some guys who are doing some some awesome work in, in the podcast realm and the film breakdown realm. We've already had Josh Capo on to kick off the series. Uh, so we've got a lot of stuff coming on, coming up in the works, coming down the pipeline. I'm excited to share it all with you here. Pirate Parlay Podcast brought to you by the Sick Podcast Network. We're out of here. Peace. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the sick podcast Pirate Parlay on YouTube, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.